0: are live once again with the crossroads music podcast and
1: nope Nope. i heard
0: none of that eric
1: (laughs) Ah, shucks (laughs) maybe
0: maybe it has to be in front of the microphone maybe the back of the microphone's not switched on
1: i thought this was a all-around mic but okay
0: i will i will do that for next time (laughs) ladies and gentlemen all right, so we're we're a weekly uh, music podcast uh, but today uh, actually we usually start off with the drink of choice. So Eric, what is your drink of choice for this week?
1: So my drink of choice is and when I saw these beers, I th- first thought of Monty Python. Uh, <laughs> okay. I I'm probably butchering this so all you beer like nuts out there just just hold your horses. Um, so this is by a brewery called Fugles and Warlock, oh my god, okay, <laughs> which is which is out of Richmond, BC, and uh, the beer is called a Bier de Garde, and it's a blueberry vanilla ale. <laughs> As you can see, it's it just reminds me of like Monty Python.
0: Yeah, right? it's very Black Knight on the on the label. Totally,
1: and it says here. A modern reimagining of a classic European beer style with the introduction of blueberries and vanilla bean. So that's what it looks like, the blueberry ale. It almost has like a darker tint. I'm wondering if that's because of the blueberries.
0: All right. Here it goes the mm. taste
1: test. It's good. It's refreshing. Nice. It is very refreshing. It tastes, it actually tastes like blueberries. It's like you're drinking blueberry <laughs> vanilla drink. <laughs> okay. That's nice.
0: That's Chasing dragonflies, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. Uh so Eric, how's how's your week been? Uh I think mm. it's been a week and a half since we last did our podcast, I believe.
1: Yes, yes, it has. Uh well, you know, other than the sad news that bestowed upon us. But uh, yeah. Okay, let, let's
0: get into into that piece of news and then we can we can catch up. But I guess the yes. big news that came out, I mean, it's been a crazy 72 hours in just pop culture in general not just in music but let's not Mm -hmm. get into like all the other crazy stuff but uh taylor hawkins the drummer of the foo fighters passed away at the age of 50 uh, over the weekend um it was crazy because like i was up and like i forget how i found out i think i was just scrolling in the news or something like that and it was like popped up on the feed i was like wait is it april fools already it's april 1st I didn't think it was, mm-hmm. was here already, and I was like, "No, it's not April first. This is for real." I was like, "Holy shit, that's crazy!" Um, and I proceeded yeah. to message
1: you. I was like,
0: "He died."
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I found out. Yeah, uh, she just like, "Hey, do you know? Do you know Tyler Hawkins?" And I was like, "Yeah, why?" Like he's from the Foo Fighters, and he's like, Oh, apparently he's dead. And I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no. it uh, yeah, it's it's it was pretty sad. Uh, do we know why? Uh, mixture, so uh,
0: not exactly, but he did have a cocktail of drugs in his system, so like heroin, uh, potentially cocaine, blah blah blah, but apparently it was uh, related to heart failure, so it probably made it worse. Yeah, yeah damn so
1: that's gonna suck because i feel like a a, do you think they're gonna cancel their show their tours
0: oh yeah for sure like now
1: now what it, it worries me because like now here's here's the crazy thing i just literally finished the dave grohl biography oh no and and at the end of it, he says, like, thanks to so many people, and one of them being, like, Tyler Hawkins for being, like, a good friend, which is really sad, right? Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. Taylor Hawkins, thank you. <laughs> do I, what, do, what do I keep saying? <laughs> Tyler, you're missing the A. <laughs> Taylor, that's right. Taylor Hawkins. My apologies, everybody. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, but but it's just it's just sad because, you know, like, Dave already went through this with with Kurt, yeah. Kurt Cobain, right? And he was bumped out about that. But then what coped with him and and he says this in the book, like what really coped was um, you know, writing the first album for the Foo Fighters essentially, right? It was like yeah. him getting back into the music and stuff. So I I this is going to be tough for him.
0: Yeah, I don't know at this age what like it's not like you're a young person who has like all the I just... I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, I I feel like I wouldn't blame him if he just, like, the Foo Fighters are over. Um, yeah. Because to have that in the band is sort of... That's really devastating.
1: Yeah. The, the most devastating part about this, and yes, people can argue that... Um, I was having a discussion about this today. Someone said, well, the Foo Fighters have gone through so many different musicians at the beginning. And I said, yeah, but they're established now with the same guys and they've been like that and and i and i you know that they're not going anywhere right so yeah this is this might be the end sadly for the food fighters
0: yeah like 20 years together
1: that's that's a long time yeah yeah and then try to replace a drummer with that cohesion with the band right like yeah
0: yeah. Anyways, that's uh, that's sort of the it's it's crazy because the Foo Fighters and maybe this is just a a general reflection of the state of rock and roll. But the Foo Fighters, I would argue, are the biggest rock band currently, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Like there, I don't think there's a bigger rock band uh, there. So it's just crazy that it happened to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um. Nice. Anyways, um, I guess that's sort of the big music news that came out. Uh, yeah, the sad week. yeah, big music news.
1: On a positive note, I know this isn't related to music, but Canada is going into the world, Cup, ladies and gentlemen. I am super pumped. I don't know if anyone <laughs> well, the, saw that last game.
0: I didn't watch the game, uh, but I do have questions um yes i do realize Shoot away i do realize it is historic that canada is gonna make it into the is it the world cup or fifa or am i mixing up the stuff? world cup world no, cup the okay. world cup yeah um what are canada's chances of coming out of i assume the around robin is the first uh stage? yeah the group
1: the group stage okay so they'll be split up into uh various groups of four so depending on who's in their group may decide the fate of Canada now that being said, a lot of players that are on Canada play for European league teams so which is a good thing mm-hmm. because they're playing with like the top of the top now we have probably one of the best younger newer players Alfonso Davies uh he is he is just a champion uh but we have some pretty solid players on the team and if you watch like they ran circles around jamaica and it was it was quite amazing to watch i feel like there's a chance we'll make it through the group stage Oh, there's a chance but i don't know if we're gonna like make it through the round of 16 Mm. after that so uh but i am rooting for canada i can't believe my other team italy just shit the bed and they didn't even qualify like <laughs> I, I, I was even qualify i don't I, understand how got, that happens so they they first of all like the way that it works i'll i'll kind of explain so like the first few teams make it on automatically and then like the per like for instance our league if we were in fourth place we would have to go into another tournament And it was pretty much like the ultimate knockout in the first Mm. lasting teams. The last two teams will make it on as like a, okay, you guys were good enough, I guess, to go on. So Italy gets stuck in that category and then they get knocked out by North Macedonia. Like what what kind of country is North Macedonia? Right? Like in terms of the soccer, it's like, are you kidding me? You went from European champions to just getting knocked out of the tournament. The qualifier... (laughs) by North Macedonia
0: (laughs) that's too funny okay interesting I I'm I'm definitely not a soccer fan at all uh but I'll be interested if they make it past the round robin I might actually watch
1: yeah that's it's gonna be crazy uh all Canada's gonna unite and it's funny because a bunch of bandwagoners I've been watching the qualifiers (laughs) since day one (laughs) but hey you know what why not support Team Canada? Yeah. Get a jersey everybody. Yeah. It's Kotar 2022. <laughs> <It's> no. <November.
0: laughs> uh yeah, that's that's another big piece of news that came out the, the past few. Um anyways, uh let's I guess What do we normally start this off with? Oh, we actually went straight into music news without going into what we've been listening to. So let's, let's go back to that.
1: Let's yeah, let's, let's, let's derail the train here. What have you been listening
0: to this past week?
1: So obviously I've been listening to a lot of Food Fighters, um, like a lot. I've actually been listening to a lot of Queens of the Stone Age, um, and the reason is, is because in Dave Grohl's autobiography, uh, when he, he actually recorded um, the album, which is my favorite Queens of the Stone Age album, like Clockwork. And I had no idea, but there was a lot of like famous people that recorded off this album, like Elton John plays the piano in one of the songs. Oh,
0: that's so funny. And
1: and he tells the story of how Elton John just came into the studio and Dave Grohl was like, you got Elton John to come play on the on the song? He's like, yeah, I asked him, and he said, sure. <laughs> and he's like, all right, lads, what do you got for me? And he had them play the song, and he's like, all right, I got something, and then just recorded one take. And I was no. like, wow, that's insane. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty cool. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of that. Uh, I checked out the Michael Buble's new album, Higher, and... I don't. I don't know. Like I'm. I'm a big Michael Bublé fan, but like I and I remember telling you to go check out that other song, that single. That the auto The auto It auto-tune. was disgusting. I, so I feel like all the songs that he wrote are all auto tuned, and then everything <laughs> he covered on it is is not. And I'm just like, what? So, yeah. I I don't know. Half the album is good. I guess. <laughs> um, That's so strange. But the,
0: Michael Bublé doesn't need auto tune. He doesn't. He it's doesn't, so and I don't know why they put it in there. It sounded so. disgusting. That song you told me to listen to, it sounded it was,
1: gross. It's awful. Yeah. It is awful. Uh, and then the last thing I listened to uh, that's new is the news, newest single off the Red Hot Chili Peppers album that I've been following religiously. Is this the third uh, one? Third single? The third single, not the one. And and I don't know. like It's a nice slow ballad song, but I... Just not digging it. I, does, I want, I want to, I want John Frusciante. That's just solo. Does Anthony
0: uh carry over his weird Scottish accent? Mm-mm. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He does not. That's so strange. I was listening to that song this morning, uh, and I was like,
1: "Why does he sing like this?" And China the <laughs> run. Like, I don't know why he sang it like. I I don't know why he sang it like that either. Because I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is a good song. Like, why are yeah. you singing it like that? <laughs> like, why can't you just sing in your normal Anthony Kiedis voice? <laughs> yeah, it's so strange. Um, I'm curious to see them live just to see if he does it live.
0: <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, anything else? Anything else? You? That's it. <laughs> That's it, buddy. Um, Actually, I haven't really nothing of significance I would say I've been listening to, uh, mostly just background music, some like standard stuff. Um, what was it? Oh, uh, for some reason I was really cranking ACDC this week. Uh, nice bunch of, I did a bunch of moving this whole weekend and apologies to everyone. Cause if I'm super low energy today, it's like, I've been moving boxes and Eric, I have a story for you. This, this weekend, oh my god, I don't even know what happened. The moving part was fine. It was three days of just moving boxes, uh, mm-hmm. but I ended up renting a 26 foot u-haul because there was so much crap that i needed to move (laughs) the biggest like the truck was ginormous the problem is um we're moving to uh basically like a a new development so like there's no paved Mm -hmm. road and everything's still mud and whatever problem is we moved in the rain and snow so this truck when i reversed it in and parked it in the driveway it was fine it was, like, on gravel and a little bit of mud and whatever. Five hours later, this truck starts sinking into the ground. <laughs> and it's, oh, like, no. going deeper and deeper. And <laughs> oh, I get no. into the truck. Like, we unload the truck. And then I try to get the truck out. Nope. The wheels are just spinning. So two hours of trying to dig this thing out, we I, we give up. And I'm just like, okay, let's call it the tow truck. A tow truck comes and the freaking winch, the the cable that's connected to the truck, it snaps. <laughs> it, it snapped. The cable snapped, and like, oh uh, no, we can't do anything. So, <laughs> 24 hours later, the next day, they're like, we're bringing in the biggest truck we have in this whole goddamn province. <laughs>
1: This is like that song, like the truck getting stuck and then oh, the other yeah. truck comes to get out and then that truck gets stuck. And then <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so like this huge ass like tow truck. I've never seen a tow truck this big. It was like a tank it just like rolls up, chains itself to the to my 26 foot U-Haul and just pulls it out of the mud. Oh, like, <laughs> that was my weekend. It was such a nightmare. That's crazy.
1: I, I always thought that story was going to be like, yeah, so we couldn't get it out. So we just left it
0: there. And now there it sits. That's uh, why that was my fear. I was like, this is now a permanent sculpture here. It's a tourist attraction. Yeah, an,
1: an abandoned vehicle. <laughs> here this is it's like history. It's like you can go see the music crossroads host. The crossroads music podcast host. This is what this is the fan he
0: used, and it's still here today. <laughs> uh anyways, that that was my nightmare of a weekend. Um Damn, but yeah, it sucks. Cranking ACDC the whole time, so right on. It's pretty fun. Um, <laughs> all right, let's let's get into some more music news. We've already touched on the Taylor Hawkins thing, but uh, a few um, few items came up uh, over this past weekend a bit. Uh, sort of sticking with the Foo Fighters uh, theme, "Dream Widow," which is uh, the Foo Fighters. Uh, so the Foo Fighters released their movie comedy movie uh studio 666 and out of it yeah. came a full-fledged metal album that dave Grohl wrote uh so the band itself is called dream widow and the album is called dream widow uh and that uh, was actually released last friday uh for those of you who are interested in a dave Grohl full-on metal album <laughs> which yes. should be interesting um so that's that's one piece of foo fighters news positive foo fighters i think news.
1: uh i think my buddy and i were planning on next week to get together and watch the movie and just yeah. pound back the beers <laughs>
0: so. yeah i have it i actually have it on my computer right now so i actually uh i think i will watch it also this coming week mm-hmm. so we can reconvene and discuss how good yes. or how bad it is <laughs> absolutely um, in, other, in other music news, uh, you 2 have a TV series in the works with Netflix, um, oh, really? and J.J. Abrams and his Bad Robot Productions are producing the series. Anthony <laughs> McCartan, who was responsible for the screenplay of the Queen biopic Bohemian Rhapsody, will be writing the script. Uh, the band are expected mm. to be involved also, so... Hopefully, it's good. I hope it's not like Bohemian Rhapsody. I hope it's a bit more like you two. I can the Bohemian Rhapsody mm. movie was good, but it was a bit it was a bit cheesy for my for my liking,
1: yeah. i I thought it was probably one of the best or better yeah movies that depicted like an artist. and and i I really enjoyed it, but I, but I know what you mean. There were some parts that were a bit cheesy and And I think there was just so much that Queen did, and they tried to put it into this small time strain, yeah. which is hard to do, right? Mm-hmm. because but I feel like it was essential to play that last like live aid scene because that was just phenomenal, yeah. especially when you watch them back to back. Like I was like, oh my God, Rami Malik is like the best <laughs> actor in the world. <laughs> like he is the best actor out <laughs> there and And he should win an Oscar for that. Um, but I'm sure that will come up. <laughs> what happened in the Oscars, maybe in the news, but we'll see. But <laughs> no, regardless, awesome. uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a. I wouldn't mind seeing this. See how it goes. Three, two, one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. James fly says it was such a good movie. I'm assuming the Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I, like I'm not disagreeing that it wasn't a good movie. I just feel like. It was too clean for my liking. Queen, especially Freddie Mercury, was not sparkly. Like his image was not like that clean boy image. He was
1: very much no. into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Which yeah, and yeah, yeah he was. They, they, I think they made it a little bit fluffy just based off of like yeah. you know just the. The concept of what was happening in that time period and everything but but you're totally right it's it's a very dark story freddie mercury yeah like like life right so
0: yeah yeah they only focused on the good stuff i wish they focused on like had a bit more balanced approach to it but you know it's it's brian may and uh taylor roger taylor uh, executive producers on that so they didn't want to shit on their their dead friends. So I sort of get that also. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely.
0: Um, and finally, last piece of news, Genesis. Uh, so Phil Collins, Mike Rutherford, and Tony Banks have called it quits and have completed their final show this past Saturday in London. Uh, and also apparently Peter Gabriel was in the audience. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's an end of a uh, Genesis is such an interesting band cuz like they have very two very distinctive uh eras to them. They have the Peter Gabriel mm-hmm. version of Genesis which if you're a prog rocker it's like some of the best music that's ever been written. Uh mm-hmm. and then you have post Peter Gabriel with Phil <laughs> Collins as a singer and some of it's good but uh in terms of mainstream success that is they definitely had more chart toppers with phil collins
1: as the lead singer i definitely am a huge peter gabriel fan of genesis um i thought that band was so awesome yeah right and and like even if you look at it like when when do you hear of a band where the where the band kind of just does their own thing kind of splits off but then each individual people become famous
0: yeah (laughs) right they're just so so talented in that band every single member mm-hmm. in Genesis even Phil Collins like you might you might not like Phil Collins because he's sort of a, an abrasive character but like if you really study his drumming like some of that stuff's just incredible in what he's doing and it's not like simple 4-4 stuff they're like playing mm-hmm. around with odd time signatures and like the rhythms he's using is just so out there mm-hmm. Genesis was a great band absolutely um but yeah They've called it quits. They did their last show this past Saturday. I wish I, I sort of wish I could have uh, gone to that, but it's too far for me. <laughs> uh, all right. That's that's it for uh, music news because uh, I don't want to get into Oscar stuff on this yes. podcast. Everybody knows what's happening. Yes. We don't need to rehash. that stupid. There, there
1: was a bit. There was just a bitch slap. But That's, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i guess i guess as i said it i was like oh, i guess it has nothing to do with music so yeah, we don't need to talk
0: about it here
1: i'm, I'm although afraid. there was a funny meme i saw with with will smith they're playing the fresh prince of bel-air oh, Jesus so i thought that was quite humorous but but anyways <laughs> you can go look it up on youtube Oh, my God. Okay, let's move
0: on. Today, music history. Today is March 28th, 1955. Reba McIntyre is born in McAllister, Oklahoma.
1: Iconic country singer right there. Yeah. If you you want old country and good country, go listen to Reba McIntyre. Yep.
0: This, I actually didn't know. 1964, heavyweight boxing champ, cautious clay later muhammad ali hits 102 number 102 in the u.s billboard charts with his cover of stand by me really i didn't know muhammad ali did a song let alone even like charted that's crazy it it actually charted that's amazing yeah he did a cover of stand by me i have to go
1: (laughs) check this out
0: uh 1967 van morrison records brown eyed girl that's such a classic song
1: it's such a like i'm i'm mixed feelings because sometimes i listen to this song i'm like this is such a great song Mm -hmm. and then other times i'm like this is so overplayed (laughs) (laughs) but but it's a great song like it's such a great song yeah yeah it's it's a really good song the van morrison has so many freaking hits eh? yeah he does
0: (laughs) uh 1973 led zeppelin released their fifth studio album houses of the holy houses of the holy uh Which... dire, dire makers on that one oh, dire maker that's right
1: that's yeah. that's a good
0: tune i like that tune is dire maker stolen i one day we're just gonna <laughs> do a whole
1: episode of all of the songs led zeppelin stole. yeah That'd be a whole episode of just one album, though. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's yeah. that one. Anyways. <laughs> uh,
0: 1978. Uh, 1970- oh, Chasing Dragonfly says The Great Deception. Is The Great Deception on that? Maybe. Great deception. Probably. Anyways. 1978. Alice Cooper appears on The Muppet Show, where he performs Welcome to My Nightmare and School's Out. Uh, the premise of the episode is he offers to give the Muppets fame and riches if they'll sign their soul over to him. Kermit is horrified, but Gonzo spends the entire episode looking for a pen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I just feel like that episode would be just like a little bit darker than usual. you know. <laughs> I don't know how they get like this is supposed to be a child's show
0: and you have Alice Cooper showing up to like take the souls of the muppets that seems (laughs) a bit much
1: (laughs) that seems like it would be very very like just over exaggerated faked like you could tell (laughs) house cooper's just like okay let let me play my songs now (laughs) um Today
0: uh, in 1979, the day after they are married, Eric Clapton sings Wonderful Tonight to his new wife, Patty, at his concert in Tuscan, Arizona. He wrote the
1: song about her
0: while waiting for her to get ready to go out.
1: That's a good song. That's such like a a simple, like great love ballad. Mm -hmm. Like just that guitar riff. It's so easy. Anybody can play it on the guitar, but it's just so good. It's just so good. That's a really good Clapton song. Yeah. Uh, 1981,
0: Blondie's Rapture hits number one on the Hot 100, becoming the first chart topper with a rap in it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Blondie with, uh, with... It's weird that Blondie is in conversation of, like, one of the first hip-hop, like, records ever. It That's just, really funny. It just weirds me out. But first number <laughs> one hit with a rap in it, so... Uh, 1982 on his way to no nukes rally David Crosby crashes his car into a divider on the San Diego freeway Police find cocaine and a concealed pistol in the vehicle But charges against him uh, are plea bargained down to reckless driving And he is sentenced to probation and a $751 (laughs) fine A few weeks later he is arrested again this time for using cocaine
1: You know, you know, you're real something when you have a pistol in the car. (laughs) Why do you have that pistol in the car? For protection. (laughs) Anyways, I'm a bit skewed in that. But anyways.
0: 1984, Mick Fleetwood, whose band Fleetwood Mac, had the biggest selling album of all time just seven years earlier, files for bankruptcy. Hmm. It's crazy that, like, you can have... And that's sort of, like... Word of caution: When you sign a record deal, make sure you mm-hmm. get a lawyer to review those terms because yeah, you shouldn't have the biggest selling album of all time and then file for bankruptcy
1: years later. That's just insane. That is terrible. Like, but then, but then, with that being said, I'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Like, so you're a band who's who's just starting, right? Essentially, and mm-hmm. you don't have the money to look over these. Like, right? Yeah, you, you're just yeah. reading it and being like, "I think I know what this means. <laughs> I, I hope this is good for us." Because, yeah. like, how many people, like, when we sign shit, like, on the internet, even like the agreements and stuff, when you sign up for stuff, or right, or right, is like, does anybody read all that? Like, no, ter- I, I sure yeah. as hell don't. No, the terms I of service. Is, the terms of service. They, they don't. But they're, for all I know, they could just be like, "Yep, yeah, we're we're." you you clicked accept so we we in section five we said that we're gonna tell everybody your address and where you (laughs) live and like what (laughs) but but like yeah so like with a starving musician like it's it sucks because you you don't have the money to have a lawyer look over that stuff but like i feel like with fleetwood mac if you're starting to get money you should probably be like hey maybe we should get a lawyer to look over this contract (laughs) Because they can always challenge the contract and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. but hey. What the hell do I know? <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: here's an interesting uh tidbit of fact. 1985, a four-year-old Alicia Cook makes her acting debut on the Slumber Party episode on the Cosby show. Later on, she'll become famous as Alicia Keys. Really? Yeah. Are you actually kidding me? That's her first claim to fame. Four-year-old actor on the Cosby Show.
1: I used to watch the Cosby Show all the time, and like (laughs) I did, I that that's blowing my mind right now. (gasps) That's insane. That's awesome. Good for her.
0: (laughs) Um. Also, on this day, nineteen eighty-six, Lady Gaga is born. I didn't realize she was. Born in 1986. That doesn't seem... She seems a lot older than that. 1986 mm-hmm. seems pretty young to me. Lady
1: Gaga, the, the modern-day Madonna.
0: Ooh, is that? Yes. I'm going to give you one for that one.
1: That's controversial? How is that controversial? Because I don't agree with you. Really? Here, here's, okay, so, okay, here's, here's, so here's who's two the modern-day... Tell yeah. me. I'm going to make it now two, two because I'm
0: going to say...
1: Something more controversial than you just <laughs> said. Oh, this is amazing! I, ladies and gentlemen, I—that's something controversial, apparently. And now I'm just about to get something <laughs> told to me that's also controversial, which will defend the fact that Lady Gaga is not the modern day. Uh, because so go ahead, Kim. Because Madonna
0: I is a talentless hack, and Lady Gaga <laughs> actually has some talent. <laughs> i feel like you calling lady gaga a modern day madonna is an insult that
1: (laughs) lady gaga that is is okay i will accept that i will accept that i will accept that 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 was pretty good (laughs) Madonna is a talentless hack here. There we go. That's amazing. Here's my... I, I feel like this is a first that that <laughs> this kind of controversial thing barreled into this. Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> you triggered something in me when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's my proof. It, here's my one proof that you know, will shut down all of my naysayers when I say Madonna is a talentless hack. Just go ask Elton John. Elton John also agrees with me that Madonna is a talentless hack. So that's all the proof I need. If Elton John thinks Madonna is a worthless piece of shit,
1: then that's all. That's That is extremely true. If Elton John says something is trash, it is trash. <laughs> it is actually trash. And like oh that's that's so true <laughs> you know i accept that i actually accept that and the only reason to just to defend my uh you know minute point is that <laughs> like with the fame and pop that madonna had that's what i was referring to with lady gaga with the costumes and shit like that but right. When you come down to actual talent, you're, you're exactly, you're <laughs> totally right. <laughs> so I, just, I just thought that was amazing. I said one thing that's controversial <laughs> and then you just countered it with a controversial topic. That, that is like, that is unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Um, anyways, we're not talking about Madonna here. I hate the topic of Madonna in general. So let's, let's move on. Uh, 1990, the Go-Go's reunite for a show at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go to benefit the California Environmental Protection Initiative.
1: And Every uh, time I hear Whiskey-A-Go-Go, I think of Whiskey-A-Go-Go Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just do.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, 1991, uh, the funeral is held for Eric Clapton's son, Connor, who was four-year-old. Four years old when he felt his death out an open window. Uh, and if you need a backstory, Tears in he- Heaven uh was written for Connor. It's probably one of
1: the greatest songs ever made. Yeah.
0: Tears in Heaven, man, that's such a freaking like
1: good song. It, it, so much raw emotion in that song that he just will refuse like there was a point where he just refused to play it anymore yeah because like it was yeah. therapeutic for him to to get through that traumatic event yeah he wrote the song played it but then it got to the point where it was like I can't do this anymore this is like just too heartbreaking but it's such a like and and I s- stand by this if you listen to the actual studio recording it is trash you need to yeah. go listen to the unplugged version Mm -hmm. because it sounds so crisp and so amazing yeah like oh my god yeah
0: so good uh 1995 wu-tang clan rapper old dirty bastard releases his first solo album return to the 36 chambers the dirty version that is a very good record if you want i wouldn't say it's like classic hip-hop but if you want just like A very unique voice in hip hop. Old Dirty Bastard and his first solo album. That's definitely one of those like standout records, which where you're thinking like, is this is this real hip hop? Mm -hmm. It's sort of strange, but it's really good. I love that nickname. That's an epic nickname. Old Dirty Bastard. (laughs) Yeah, it's very good. Um. Oh. Genesis back here. 1996. Phil Collins leaves Genesis on good terms, stating he will concentrate on movies, some jazz projects, and his solo career. Good for him. I mean, it worked out for him because he got the Tarzan <laughs> soundtrack and made millions of dollars. Yes, he did.
1: <laughs> yes, he did.
0: Uh oh my God. Okay, year 2000, March 28. Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin wins a libel suit against the UK magazine Ministry, which printed that he tried to revive his dying bandmate, John Bonham, by using satanic spells.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) I don't know why
0: why anyone would print that and think that's fact. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and lastly, last piece of, uh, today in music history, 2020, right here on this platform on Twitch, the 12 hour Twitch aid concert raises nearly $3 million to help those affected by COVID-19 over 70 quarantine performers take part from their homes, including John legend, Rita Ora and Garth Brooks.
1: That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I'll always remember our live aid concert. When we signed up remember we had to audition for it and we were like yep yep you guys make the cut like you guys we're gonna put you on last because you're you're pretty decent and uh we we went overtime remember that yes I they're do like you that. only have time like you gotta stop like they're like, you gotta stop and we both look <laughs> like, all right one more song guys <laughs> and oh it was amazing that
0: was a good time that was yeah that was a wild ride um all right that is uh today in music history so eric let's get into the album review shall we yes Um, let's do it so let's do it i'm excited about this oh interesting okay so for those of you uh who've been following along with us every week uh the album that we are reviewing for today is the war to end all wars Mm -hmm. by sabaton so The War to End All Wards is the 10th studio album by Swedish power metal band Sabaton. It was released on March 4th, 2022. So this is a new release, relatively new release. Uh, Sabaton themselves is often referred to as one of the big four power metal bands, along with Blind Guardian, Mm -hmm. Dragon Force and Halloween. Um, It's a bit debatable there. Let's not get into the minutiae of it, but. The timeline doesn't really work for me when people refer them as one of the big four, but whatever. Um, they are one of the most successful rock bands in Swedish history. And their uh, album, Carlos Rex, is the best-selling Swedish heavy metal album of all time. Uh, this album is a concept album which focuses in on World War I and is a sequel to the band's previous effort in 2019, The Great War. So, Eric concept album a new release power metal band from sweden sabaton i assume you have not listened to sabaton previous to this uh i'd never even heard of them (laughs) until (laughs) so yeah let me get let me get your thoughts on this album
1: so i actually enjoyed this album i i thought for sure like i thought the uh, album artwork is pretty sweet um i really enjoy history so i feel like Kemp chose this album just to like in the chance that the history would get me and it did it it honestly did like uh i thought they did a really cool job of it it kind of starts off with like the hell of world war one which is and they really like paint a picture with the lyrics and and i would say the music as well just because it's metal you know how terrible world war one conditions were uh it was absolutely aw- awful uh i would never ever fight if somebody even's like would you would you like to fight in world war one or world war two hands down world war two like not even like get me away from fucking world war one right um, but i thought it this this album was pretty cool like it starts off with stormtroopers uh which is interesting I'm gonna be a little bit of a history nerd here, um, but yeah. stormtroopers were labeled for Canadians. Uh, everybody hated fighting Canadians. We always adapted to our environments and fought really well in battles, and and we gave our enemies hell. Like the Germans hated fighting us. That's where the storm, uh, the term stormtroopers came from. So uh, I thought that song was perfect for opening the album because you can just get that picture of, like, you being in this, like, dark, foggy, like, trench, and then all of a sudden, like, the whistles go, and then you're up above and just running. And (laughs) pray to God you don't get shot (laughs) or blown up by artillery. But uh, I thought it was cool. And then then what I loved about this uh, concept album is they kind of touched upon every kind of aspect of war essentially right like uh um you a lot of ship battles happened in world war one right so they talked about like dreadnought it's a cool song or even race to the sea uh for for like the arms race and supply chain like i thought that was really cool how they how they did that um in terms of i really like my favorite song on this album hands down is lady of the dark Ooh, okay Nice. Yeah, I thought that was cool and and the thing I liked about it too was because there's always uh been kind of folklore around World War 1 history about soldiers and a lot of diaries uh stated they they've seen like this ghost lady that's almost like taking people into the night. So I thought it was kind of cool how they played off that mythology essentially, right? Um obviously you're tired, you're battle-worn, so you're going to see stuff and hallucinate a little bit, right? Uh, but uh I I actually quite enjoyed this album. Uh, the last two songs was, I was like, all right, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> but I, I just felt like the the first half of this album was so just heavy driven um, in terms of like the melodies, the guitar licks, the drums. But uh, I felt like it started falling apart near the end. Uh, obviously, Lady of the Dark does fall and track number seven so i quite enjoyed that song but overall i thought this was pretty decent like i, I thought it was pretty good like they're they, pre- they kind of remind me of like an iron maiden meets kind of like vol okay
0: yeah mm-hmm. i could see it i could see that no i'm glad that uh you're here to to help me fill in the blanks here because like uh i know well here, here's my backstory with sabaton uh before even knowing about this band i saw them live first um i forget when it was a long time ago but it was a, a relatively small theater um and they put on just a phenomenal show when they showed up though so here's the thing with sabaton they are they don't really label themselves this but th- for all intents and purposes they are essentially like uh, a theme band like everything Mm -hmm. they do is war related somehow. So all their songs are somehow related to war. Uh, they show up on stage in military gear. Uh, like they're wearing, they're wearing like helmet, like helmets from world war two or world war one, depending on what song they're playing or what the theme is for that night. Um, so everything they do is related to war. I think even in, like, their bigger stage productions, they bring, like, a uh, a tank onto stage just for, that's like, a so prop. That's so cool. Like, no they, way. <laughs> they do stuff like that. Uh, so it's very much, like, a war-centric band to the point where, like, some people even refer to them as, like, war metal, which I'm not crazy about that term because, like, that sort of really just center around the, your lyrics, but that's mm. fine. Uh, they, they do sing. A lot about war so um listening to this i knew what i was getting into and then as i was listening to these songs i was like oh these are actually pretty interesting stories about war which is sort of mm-hmm. what i i appreciate about this album i don't think you're going into this album to like there's a lot of albums that exist that you're like oh on a musical level i i uh i um what is it relate to this right or on a lyrical level i relate to this like i i really feel this radiohead song or like this is how like i personally feel and relate to it this to me feels more like a classroom or maybe a history lesson where it's like a document this is a document in time and they're just like you know relating what's what events happened in 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 this case world war one or certain Mm -hmm. certain events that happened in world war one so i think this might be one of the first albums that we've ever reviewed on this show where it's like a historical album right where they're telling real stories that happened or potentially happened Mm -hmm. um and they're trying to sort of you're you're sort of living through those events through the music so it was really, it was an interesting experience listening to this this album for me.
1: I I would that that is a perfect analogy. Like it, it's a history document essentially. Yeah. Like I thought it was very like, because a lot of World War One, like especially the battlefield. When you, when you look at the history, it's all brought by stories of uh, like obviously what the generals have written down on either side or even if it comes down to like diaries that soldiers would keep right of of battles and stuff and and like for instance even the unkillable soldier like it's not a specific soldier per se but there have been instances in many documents in history where uh like a whole line is firing at the income like the advancing line right and they're like the whole battalion gets wiped out. And essentially they're they're shooting like everybody's pretty much shooting at one guy. The artillery's still coming down and the guy's not like the guy's still running. Right? Like <laughs> so the unkillable so like it's it's just like a perfect like way to depict or almost like I wouldn't say teach history, but it's kind of it it almost is like a classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Which is neat, right? Cuz it cuz it goes through like What I loved about it was it goes through all kind of aspects of war. So you start off with the trenches, right, which is the main part of what the Great War was. Uh, And then it goes into like the sea battles, like dreadnoughts were heavily used as like, you know, battalion ships. And then you have the race to the sea, which is like the supply line. You have Hellfighters, which are the the air like the air your air force, right? Mm. So, and then you have like what what I did like like I felt like the songs were weak in terms of a song, but mm. I did like the fact that they mentioned like the Christmas truce, right? Because there are like literally, and I swear to God, like pretty much they would meet on each side and be like, hey come share a drink, let's sing some songs. Or then you have other parts of Europe saying that the Germans were singing their Christmas songs and then the the Allies were singing their Christmas songs louder to try to like compete almost, <laughs> right? Like I thought that was kind of cool. And then obviously the last song is Versailles, which is like the end of the war, the treaty, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I, I did enjoy the concept 100%. Yeah. And and I felt like they did such a good job of arranging that concept in an album. Right. However, some of the songs I felt were a little bit like in terms of I was just like ah, I felt like it could be different. But
0: mm-hmm. I but do that's my you. yeah. Mm-hmm. Chasing dragonflies. I don't usually like war, but this actually sounds like a pretty cool album. Yeah, and that's actually one thing I did enjoy about this album. It wasn't like glorified it wasn't glorifying war right it wasn't Mm -hmm. one of those albums where it's like let's go to war hurrah 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 let's kill some people this was just Mm -hmm. like matter of fact this is what happened or these are the stories that came from it and didn't really give uh, to put it in not so good terms a political slant on it right it was just like Mm -hmm. these are the facts and these are things that happened and like learn from whatever happens in, in these events, right? Absolutely. So that was, I, I really enjoyed the storytelling aspect of this album, uh, but I do agree with you from, from a musical standpoint, as much as I think this album sounded really good, guitar solos were on point, I think they really focused on telling the story over arrangement, right? I, I think some mm-hmm. some of the melodies were like forgettable, um dynamically there wasn't anything too interesting even melodically it was like okay this is a cool melody but there wasn't any there wasn't any like signature riffs or signature melodies that i could really latch onto. but from a storytelling aspect this is like i think that's where the focus was on this album and that's perfectly fine if that's the the angle we were going with
1: they definitely knocked it out of the park for that for yeah. sure yeah like I, I I quite enjoyed it, and honestly, when you said Sabaton, I was like, looked at the album. I'm like, okay, like I dig. I love World War. Like I love history in general, and especially when it comes to war history, I find it fascinating. And when I started listening to the song, I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna like this album <laughs> because it's it's they do a pretty good job. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. It's just and and just the fact knowing now that they dress up. And, like, the uniforms and stuff. And, like, that, I think that's so cool. That's, like, that's awesome. That yeah. that would be, like, I want to go see these guys live.
0: And they are a really good live show. I have to say, like, they're so good live. And it's not... They're a funny band. Like, you would think a band that's singing about war all the time is, like, super serious. That's, mm. not, that's not the case with this band. This band, they're here to, like, have a good time and tell you stories. I think at one point... Uh, because they even make fun of themselves they're like we're we're dressed up in this military um military uh uniform uh we look like the village people on stage and they start singing (laughs) ymca just like randomly that's amazing (laughs) so like they don't take themselves like so seriously that it becomes sort of Mm -hmm. like cheesy it's like a absolutely good show um luton how's it going listening to it now oh yeah it's 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 worth the listen, Eric. Let's let's give the final ratings on this. Um, Absolutely. What what are you gonna give it?
1: Okay, so my history buff self wants to give this a ten out of ten, just Ooh. based off of just the story that it's telling. But as a as a Crossroads Music podcast host, I I'm gonna give this an eight out of ten. Oh, very I'm nice. gonna give this an eight out of ten because I enjoyed this. Um, I know a lot of metal fans, I, I can see a lot of hardcore metal fans having a problem with this band, mm. but but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but essentially, yeah, I, I'm giving this an 8 out of 10 because I, I enjoyed the concept of it. I thought it was really well executed. I wouldn't change the arrangement of the songs because it kind of tells a story perfectly. Like it starts off, you have your main front line, and then C was a big battle. And like I said, like air. Uh, and then it goes into like some cool folklore, which I, which I think is cool, but which not a lot of people talk about in like your history classes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unless you study it in depth. Uh, but yeah, overall, like the, mu- the musicality, I, th- I thought the production of the album was good. So eight out of 10. Eight of ten. Nice. Him.
0: Um, I'm going to give it slightly higher. I'm going to give it an 8.5 just because you don't get a lot of albums like this where it's really like diving into the history and just being like sort of a time capsule of, of a certain event or multiple mm-hmm. events. It's an interesting way to actually write music slash create an album. Because, like, a lot of times it's about, you know, connecting with your audience and putting your emotions on the page. This is a completely different way from that. Like the complete opposite. It's more like, let's do the research and read up on all these things that happened and then put it to music. Absolutely. It, so from that perspective, I can forgive certain arrangement choices or lack of uh certain like signature melodies or whatever it is, because the focus really is get the facts right and tell a story. Um, mm-hmm. so from that perspective, they really knocked it a park. So for me, it's, it's an 8.5 out of 10 on this. Nice. This one. Yeah. Nice. Uh, all right. Perfect. So that is, uh, the war, uh, to end all wars by Sabaton. Uh, a great power metal band slash war metal bands. Uh, Eric, are you going to listen to more Sabaton? Just curious. Uh-
1: I actually think I am <laughs> okay. i I now that I know that they that like they do what they do i I am totally on board. When i am you... I am a huge history buff. like you name any histor- historical TV show I've seen it probably so <laughs> if if
0: we're ever in the same town and they're also in town, we should definitely go watch
1: them i I am so down good. for that a hundred percent a hundred percent.
0: Uh, Alright, so for those of you who are following along with us every single week, uh, the album we are going to be listening to and reviewing uh, will be Dream Widow, yes. which is uh, the Foo Fighters metal album that came out, I think it was last Friday, so relatively new, but related to their Studio 666 movie, so we will be listening to Dave Grohl and Co's, uh metal album, which I'm sort of scared that it might be terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I I have a prediction. Um, uh, no, I shouldn't say prediction because I started listening to this album a little bit, but um, you know, just just keep in mind he he's a real huge punk fan. Mm, okay. But I I don't know, like yeah, we'll discuss this next week, but. <laughs> Uh, all right, Eric. I know
0: I keep playing this off, um, but I think we're running out of time, so I'm going to skip the mixtape again this week.
1: Oh we'll... no, I had so many notes. Uh, but the that's mixtape? Okay. <laughs> oh no, not the mixtape. Sorry, the other the other one. No, oh, no, so no, we're no. doing. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. we're Sorry. gonna do we're gonna do Sorry. thief and <laughs> not a thief this
0: week. Uh, but let's, let's skip the mixtape for this week. We'll do it next time. <laughs> uh, it's sort of a tough topic. I'm ready, but let's let's just I don't have the, the fortitude this week.
1: Controversial. I like I've, what Luke says. That's
0: exactly why I've uh, already uh, called Madonna a talentless hack, so yeah. I can't I can't get more <laughs> flack this week. Uh, but let's let's get maybe into...
1: maybe we should just change it next week if you're not feeling something. No, I I we'll, have
0: we'll call all wash. I have all the songs lined up and I know what I'm gonna do, but Whatever. Uh, We're running out of time. So let's just get into the Thief or Not a Thief and then we'll we'll call it for this week. Uh, So for this week, Thief or Not a Thief, Chasing Dragonflies will not be happy with this choice uh, because she is a fan of one of the people on this list. Um, No,
1: no, not Chasing Dragonflies.
0: (laughs) No. Uh, Uh, So for this week, uh, we are going to be talking about a Ghost 4 song number... Uh, What song number is this again? 34. 34 Ghosts Mm. 4 by Nine Inch Nails uh, and uh, Old Town Road by Lil Nas X.
1: So (laughs) before you start, I just want to say that uh, my opinion is really dragging on the fact of what you're about to say right now. Really? (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Sure. Go ahead. All right. So Nine Inch Nails, uh, to give a big bit of a background is an american industrial rock band formed in 1988 in cleveland ohio in 2008 trent reznor mastermind of nine inch nails released his sixth studio album called ghosts one to four it was a surprise album completely free digitally Uh, it was four individual albums with nine songs each and completely instrumental so in today's Thief uh, or Not a Thief, we're going to be looking specifically at song number 34 off of Ghosts 4. Lil Nas X is an American rapper and singer who rose to prominence with the release of his country rap single Old Town Road in 2018 uh, and a Billy Ray Cyrus remix in 2019. It would become a viral hit and would be certified diamond, which means 10 million units sold in the U.S., making it That's the f- crazy. Yeah making it the fastest song to be certified diamond ever. Today, it stands at $18 making it one of the best-selling singles of all time. Old Town Road would spend 19 weeks atop the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart and become the longest-running number one song in history. Uh, Notably, Lil Nas X would come out as gay while Old Town Road was atop the uh, Hot 100, uh, making him the only artist to, to come out while having a number one record. Uh, The song has been widely labeled as country rap, a genre that was not uh, considered uh, mainstream prior to its release, although Lil Nas X considers the song to be country trap instead. So, the controversy here comes from uh, specifically Dutch record producer Young Keo, who composed the instrumental for Old Town Road and made it available for purchase online in 2018. It features an unauthorized sample of 34 Ghost 4 by 9 Inch Nails. Lil Nas X would purchase the instrumental from Young Kyo for $30 USD and recorded Old Town Road in one day. Uh, Ultimately, the unauthorized usage of Trent's music uh, due to using uh, that instrumental. Shortly after the song started to gain traction, Lil Nas X's panicked manager would call Trent Reznor to ask for clearance on the sample, which Trent did grant. Songwriting credits would be updated to include Trent Reznor and longtime writing partner Atticus Ross. Trent Reznor would go on to say that at first he felt a little bit violated and then he got over it and felt like he didn't want to be a roadblock to this and saying those guys should be the ones that the spotlight is on. So, Mm. Eric, your thoughts on these two
1: songs? So, first of all, I have never heard of that Nine Inch Nails song. This is my first time listening to it. Which I thought was pretty badass. I love Nine Inch Nails. I think that they make some cool, like, well, Trent Reznor is such a great songwriter and composer. It's just unbelievable. Now, according to Little Nas, I did not like this song when it came out. I thought it was just complete trash. Um, but I understand that it's. It's big. I get I get the fact that it's a huge song. and it literally moved mountains. like literally move like if Calgary Stampede is blasting this song, like that's a big deal, like for Canada, especially. So, um, and what's interesting is like listening to these two songs because of this thief or not a thief, uh, you know. I didn't realize Little Nas X is actually like a huge, like he loves pickup trucks. (laughs) He loves like that whole like country thing, which is so like crazy because it's just the music he produces. You think that it was just like, you know, high end, like, you know, G7 jets (laughs) and stuff like that. Right. But um, regardless, so now that I know this, now this is what killed me because I was, when you listen to both the songs, the intros sound pretty similar. Like it even comes down to that little like twangy guitar part, that and it's just it's so so similar that it's like uh, how do you not steal this? Like how is this not like a theft? <laughs> right. But but then now that you said the fact that he didn't even compose that part, like it was some producer. Dutch guy you said, yeah, Dutch record producer, Young Kia. Dutch record producer. So so I feel like Lil Nas X kind of got a little bit like screwed right Mm. because then obviously his legal team was just like oh shit fuck we gotta we gotta figure this out before you know before we get screwed and obviously I feel like Trent Reznor acknowledged that but I feel like that Dutch person should be dragged through the coals for this not (laughs) Lil Nas X essentially because Lil Nas X I feel like is in that world where it's just like hey we got this this sounds good uh let's do it and then, yeah, oh, the Dutch guy's probably like, "Oh yeah, it's good, it's good, y'all, ja. it's good." So <laughs> <It'll> take it, <laughs> right? And then didn't realize that, you know. But I don't know. Now that now that you say that, I kind of feel a little bad for Lil Nas. Mm, just okay. based off the circumstances, okay.
0: uh, Luton says Lil Nas' X made it better. His only. Offense is that he made a nine-inch nails song popular. That's some Ooh, spicy, that's controversial spicy words.
1: That is like, See? I feel like that's controversial. <laughs> <laughs> can we add other people's controversial <laughs> stuff to yeah, this? We, we can update it to three if we want to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Luton, congratulations, three. You have entered the list. Yeah, I'm gonna just <laughs>
0: put this into the list by Luton. There you go. Um, You're making Crossroads Music Podcast history, my friend. <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat. Clearly, the two songs are exactly the same. Like, the instrumental... Obviously, Ghosts uh, 34 is an instrumental. So, th- nothing to do with the lyrics or the melody line of the vocals. But the backing track, the underlying instrumental part, it's the exactly same song. Right? Like... Mm-hmm the guitar twang that you mentioned, it's the exact same pitch. Like everything Mm -hmm. is like, it's just copyright infringement everywhere. Mm -hmm. Now Lil Nas X pays a Dutch producer $30 to use, uh, use his track. Dutch producer basically stole it from Nine Inch Nails. So there's sort of that gray area. And I feel like in a case like that, you can't really place blame on Lil Nas X because you know, he, he went through all the pr- uh, appropriate venues, right? Like he, he mm-hmm. found a uh, instrumental track online and, you know, he could have just thiefed it, right? He could have just taken it and used it himself, but he actually like paid someone uh, in good faith and thinking this is like a completely original piece of music, right? So mm-hmm. in that case, Lil Nas X, I feel like gets gets the pass for this one.
1: Uh, yeah. Even though, very clearly, is the same
0: song.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and and like I said before, like or and like you said, like. He's listening to these samples being like, this sounds pretty sick. This Dutch guy has something going on here. But like, and I, and I feel bad, I do honestly feel bad for him because he, he literally got screwed because this Dutch guy is definitely like, oh, oh silly little Nas. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a Nine Inch Nails song. But but like, I feel like little Nas just sued that guy, right? Yeah. Right, but yeah. but I mean, like, even after the fact, like, I respect him as an artist because even his legal team was just like, Hey, we have a problem here, okay? Yeah. Well, let's let's fix this because because <laughs> I'm sure, like, in the music world, like, you would know who Nine Inch Nails is, you oh, would know who yeah. Trent, Re- Trent Reznor is. So, so he's probably like, I don't want to piss off this guy, yeah, right? Because he, like, look how much Trent Reznor at this time of this song has. Done for like Disney movies and stuff like that now. Yeah, he's already he's already done
0: the Facebook soundtrack at this point. Mm -hmm. Like he will crush anyone if he really wants to.
1: So and and obviously Trent Reznor's a nice enough guy to realize that yeah, it's like whatever, like it sucked, but uh I'm I'm over it. Yeah. So yeah. apparently he's not a fan of the
0: song. He's never publicly like said he doesn't like the song, but he's <laughs> always referred to the no comments when asked uh, on his on his thoughts on the song, which is funny. Um, Interesting. But yeah, ultimately he did uh, allow them to uh, use use his uh, his music. Uh, he didn't block it because it's actually within his right to to completely say no. You guys can't use this and just like stop it at his tracks. So. Could you
1: imagine? Like you know how much this song has like just moved waves around the world of popular culture. Yeah. I like know. and Trent Reznor just like, nope. No, nope, no one can <laughs> listen. this the song doesn't and exist. Then it's like the song we would never have to listen to this song ever again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it'd be crazy. It's it's crazy how a song, I mean, maybe this is just a testament to the genius of Trent Reznor, but how can like this this man create a song like this and it becomes this like pop sensation absolutely. worldwide. Like, absolutely. Just madness to me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, thief or not a thief is Lil Nas X a thief. I would say no. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. Not a yeah. thief. Cause uh, I feel like he's in the clear for this one. Yeah. he Definitely uh, is. And then, who did it better, Nine Inch Nails or Lil Nas X?
1: I have to say that I first of all, I think you already know what I'm gonna pick because I can't stand the <laughs> Lil Nas song. But um, I never heard this song by Nine Inch Nails before, and when I heard it in its entirety, I thought it was actually like probably one of his best works. I like oh, wow. it's, it's it sounds pretty sick, like. The song is pretty cool, man. <laughs> yeah, Ghost
0: 34 is a very good song. It's it's very good. Um I'm surprised you chose Ghosts over over Old Town Road though. That's interesting. Are you going ch- are you
1: going actually I'm, like I'm actually going you're, yeah. With, yeah. You're choosing Old Town Road. <laughs> yeah, I'm going
0: Old Town Road over wow. Ghosts. Yeah, I'm a hardcore Nine Inch Nails fan, but maybe it's the juxtaposition mm. bias here because like I listened to Ghosts, like, when it first came out, and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, and then hearing, <laughs> like, years later, Old Town Road, and I'm like, this is a Nine Inch Nails song, but this is, like, freaking... This sounds nothing like a Nine Inch Nails song. I think that is what blew my mind when it came out, and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool that this is a Nine Inch Nails song,
1: but it's <laughs> it's not. Uh, wait so I just, <laughs> I just love what the comments are saying. Is this Alex speaking? It's, a, it's a puppet. It's just, <laughs> we, we found a lookalike of Alex yeah, Kim. Yeah. Um, I, I think or it's or, just or ladies and gentlemen, little Nas is paying Alex. Oh, $30. tons of money. No, thirty dollars USD. That. Thirty dollars to say that it's.
0: A <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think it's that just juxtaposition of it uh, of knowing that it's a Nine Inch Nails song and then you're just adding another layer on top of it I found that fascinating that Mm -hmm. that whole thing although it loses points because Billy Ray Cyrus is on it I feel like (laughs) they could have picked a much better quote unquote country I don't even know if Billy Ray Cyrus I would consider a country artist because he might just be a singer
1: who sounds like country that might be his (laughs) highest level I mean, that, that's a completely different topic, but <laughs> I disagree with you with that, but but I do agree they could have picked a definitely better country artist, like especially a more modern country artist that people would under, like, you know, relate to.
0: Billy Ray Cyrus. I don't know why they chose Billy Ray Cyrus mm. of all people to do the remix. Anyways... Um but yeah I'm going to I'm going to go for Old Town Road as mm-hmm.
1: uh, no Luden Aiky Breaky Heart is Aiky Breaky Heart that's I, that you know what Luden you song. took the words out of my mouth but that's a completely different podcast <laughs> um but yes I yeah he he wrote Aiky Breaky Heart I don't That's an upset. That's a shit song. That's garbage song. <laughs>
0: Uh anyways, okay, verdict is Lil Nas X not a thief, mm-hmm. but uh we are in disagreement over which song did is, it the, better. is the better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's wrap this up. Uh controversial yes. statements. Uh so Eric, you decided to say that Lady Gaga is a modern day <laughs> Madonna, and I counter Epic. that with Madonna is a talentless hack. <laughs> Epic. Epic. <laughs> Uh, and then Luton, for the first time ever, we have a viewer uh, submitting their controversial statement, but Lil Nas X made it better. Uh, his only offense is that he made a Nine Inch Nails song popular. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was good, Luton. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, There
0: you go. All right. That's it. We're done. Uh, we'll be back here next Monday. We're going to be here every Monday uh, for a bit at 10 p.m. ET 7 p.m. PT. I think I got that this time.
1: You got it right.
0: Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be talking about Dream Widow, the Foo Fighters metal album. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, Taylor Hawkins. Uh, R.I.P. We talked about that earlier in the episode. Catch us on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Blah 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 blah. Uh, Eric, any uh, closing closing uh, thoughts? before we wrap this all up
1: you got nothing buddy
0: all right perfect madonna is a talentless hack goodbye everyone